The Green Bay Packers are 4-4 and and are at a crossroads in the season. They can turn things around to go on a playoff run, or they can become irrelevant. On today's show, we'll get an idea of which direction they're headed with Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Packers fans, welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caribou. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're getting ready for a game against the Tennessee Titans later in the week. To preview that game and to discuss the Green Bay Packers as they stand right now, we're joined on the phone by our weekly Wednesday guest, Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com. Expert interview. Nathan, how you doing this morning? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm all right. Uh, let's talk some Packers football here, Nathan. And taking a look back before we look forward, I want to start by taking a look at the pass rush, which I thought has been subpar in each of the past two losses for the Packers. Obviously, they've missed Clay Matthews. But who else hasn't been holding up their end of the bargain the past two weeks. I think the pass rush has been all right these past two games. Um, they haven't been getting as many sacks as you might like, but they have been getting a pretty uh, consistent amount of pressure. However, there are some players who have been underproducing, at least compared to what we were seeing earlier in the season. Uh, Nick Perry is probably the biggest example of that. Uh, early on, he was getting a sack and a few pressures every game, but recently... Uh, he hasn't been getting as much pressure, and over these past two games, it's uh, just been three hurries and no uh, sacks or hits. Um, outside of that, Latroy Guyon, I know he's more of a run defender, but he has been in for 35 pass rushing snaps over these past two weeks, and he hasn't been able to get any pressure at all this season. Um, then Tyler Fackrell, I know he's only uh, playing in a part-time role, but he was doing really well early in the season in that part-time role, but then these past two weeks, uh, he's only had two pressures. But Mike Daniels has been doing a great job these past two weeks to uh, help make up for all of this. And guys like Julius Peppers and Dayton Jones, uh, they've been pretty average over these two weeks. Yeah, it's a case of I think they just have to finish getting the rush but have to sack the quarterback. Um, speaking of uh, the defense here, Nathan, at inside linebacker, I speculated on our last episode that Jake Ryan perhaps had the best game of his career against the Colts. Would you tend to agree? Uh, yeah, I would agree with you on that. He was very involved in all aspects of play. Uh, six stops on the day where he was often unblocked, but he was able to make a bunch of tackles for either short game or no game at all. Um, he not known as a pass rusher, but he had a hit in this one. Um, and he also had a pass defense and coverage, so uh, very good in a lot of areas. Also, special teams, he even graded out well. But uh, he did have a missed tackle and a few other poor plays in this one, but definitely the good was outweighing the bad throughout the game. 
Yeah, overshadowed by the good play, I thought for sure. Uh, over in the secondary, HaHa Clindix obviously had a big game coming up with two interceptions. Could you sum up his day, and did he make the all-NFL team for Pro Football Focus this week? Oh, yeah, he definitely had a good week this week uh, with those two interceptions, like you said. Uh, one of them was really impressive. He also had a uh, pass defense in there. Um, outside of that, he did have a couple of negative plays. Um, it wasn't too much, though, and you expect the safety over the course of the game to have a negative play or two. But um, he definitely was one of the top performers for a safety this past week. Good to see out of HaHa Clendix, especially coming up with the turnover-inducing plays. Uh, Nathan, looking at the offensive side of the football, I want to focus on the offensive line here. How did you think Corey Lindsley fared in his first game back from injury while filling in for J.C. Treader? I thought he was impressive, especially since this is his first game in a while that he's played. Um, in the passing game, he only allowed one hurry in the passing game. On uh, the run game, he wasn't perfect, but there were definitely some nice plays where he was a part of some double teams that the Packers were really able to take advantage of the Colts' defensive line. Um, he even had a nice screen block in there and didn't have any penalties. So a good game all around for Lindsley. So uh, it was definitely better than what we had been seeing out of Treader these past few weeks, but maybe not quite as good as Treader was in some of his more dominant games early in the season. I also speculated the last episode that Brian Balaga might be having the best season of his career thus far. Uh, what did this statistic say compared to previous years for Balaga? In terms of pass protection, I would definitely agree that this is the best season of his career. In pass protection, he's allowed two sacks, one hit, and nine hurries on the year. Uh, especially over these past four games, he hasn't allowed any sacks or hits and just four hurries, so just one pressure per game, which is great for an offensive tackle. Uh, since week six, we had him as the best pass-protecting right tackle in football, so definitely doing well there. Um, unfortunately, in the run game, he hasn't been doing well, as well these past two years compared to how he was doing earlier in his career. So in terms of best season of his career, I might take his 2011 season where pass-protection was still really good, just not quite as good as this season but his run blocking was a bit better back then. Well, good to hear he's really excelling in at least one phase of the game. Hopefully uh, the rising uh, tide lifts all boats and uh, can get the run blocking in there as well. But we're talking to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Uh, Nathan, uh, it was a weird day with uh, Ty Montgomery in the backfield and Randall Cobb not playing a full game, not even seeing action till the second half, which gave Je Jeff Janis a lot of playing time. I'm kind of curious what you thought of Jeff Janis and how he graded out. Sure, even before this week, he's been seeing significant time, whether it's because someone's been hurt or four wide receiver or sets that the Packers have been using. But in this game, uh, he had his 25-yard catch, which was good. But then he was only targeted one other time, and he dropped that pass. So, uh, so far this season, he's only averaging 8.7 yards per catch, which isn't very strong. Uh, he also hasn't been targeted very much, considering how many pass routes he's been running. So, uh, he's had the third lowest yards per route run on the season. For all wide receivers with 100 or more routes, which is more 
uh, the Panthers just aren't targeting him, even though he's on the field. So uh, he should be having his opportunities these past few weeks, but he hasn't had a chance to take advantage of it. Yeah, it just doesn't seem like that trust level is there with Aaron Rodgers, at least compared to other wide receivers on the team. Uh, Nathan, the Packers signed fullback Joe Carriage to the 53-man roster earlier this week. Can you kind of go back to his time in college and tell us how he graded out kind of coming into the NFL draft? Uh, sure. At Pro Football Focus, we have a college data going back to 2014, so we have data for his last two years in college. Uh, he played 370 snaps total over those two years, uh, typically seeing anywhere between 15 to 25 snaps per game. Uh, for the vast majority of his time in college, he was just an average fullback, uh, saw an occasional run or a target in the passing game, but nothing too uh, good or bad either way in that. And even run blocking, he was looking average for the most part, but then uh, looking at his bowl game that he was in this past year, uh, he looked dominant in that game, so uh, probably that film helped him uh, get noticed by the NFL. So uh, this preseason he was with Washington, only saw 27 preseason snaps, so nothing too noteworthy there. So uh, he looked really good at times, but he looked average for most of the time. Well, we'll see how he does in a Packers uniform. Uh, finally, Nathan, uh, the Packers have uh, the Tennessee Titans this upcoming Sunday. Who do they have to watch out for on the Titans roster? Sure. First off, the Titans have a very good offensive line, so uh, it'll be a difficult test for that Packers pass rush as well as their run defense. Uh, DeMarco Murray has been doing really well behind that offensive line as well. And Marcus Mariota, even though he had a poor start to the season, he's been looking like an average NFL quarterback over this past month or so. And he has weapons like Richard Matthews, Kendall Wright, and Delaney Walker. Uh, none of them who you would consider among the best uh, players in the NFL outside of maybe Walker at tight end. But they're all solid receiving options. So uh, the Packers have a lot of things to worry about when they're on defense. Uh, Tennessee has been consistently scoring between 26 and 36 points per game recently. Uh, their defense isn't quite as strong. Uh, they have a decent uh, four-man pass rush led by Jarrell Casey and Brian Arakpo. But with the Packers' offensive line, they should be able to handle that pass rush and then the Titans have a good run defense as well. Uh, their coverage is really the area where the Packers can take advantage. So uh, the Packers will definitely need a strong passing attack to win this one. I hope they do. Nathan, thank you so much for your insight. It's fantastic as usual. Thanks for taking a few minutes this morning to talk to us, and we'll wrap the game up next week. No problem. Thanks again for having me. Have a good one. You bet. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com. Joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Uh, you know, now that the interview is out of the way, I actually have uh, an exciting announcement and actually have a couple exciting announcements kind of coming down the pike here. We'll give you one today and one in another episode or two coming up. Uh, nothing politically related. Uh, but you know what? Here, guys, uh, save the date, December 11th for the Packers-Seahawks game. What I'm doing is I'm encouraging you as a listener of Railbird Central to attend a gathering of Packers fans at the Krogville Oasis. That is a tavern in central, South Central Wisconsin. There's no entrance fee or anything like that. There's no cover charge. 
I'm merely encouraging Packers fans to attend a watch party just like you'd go to any other bar to watch a game anywhere else. Um, if you've never been to the Krogville Oasis before, it's a dive bar, but it's the best kind of dive bar. It's it's in a rural setting, uh, essentially surrounded by cornfields. It's probably a little less than a half hour from Madison. It's kind of located in between towns like Cambridge, Deerfield, and Marshall, Wisconsin. So to repeat, save the date, put it in your calendar, whatever. December 11th, we're going to fill the Krogue to cheer the Packers on to victory. Uh, this is, I, I'm, I'm trying to encourage a communal setting here, perhaps appropriately on the day after a national election here. Doesn't matter if you're Republican, you're Democrat, we're all going to come together as Packers fans and cheer on the Green Bay Packers. December 11th, just have a good time. Just like you'd go to any other bar to watch a game, we're just going to have a good time, watch the game, cheer the Packers, beat the Seahawks. Uh, that date, encouraging all fans, all listeners of Railbird Central to come on over that day and just uh, kind of a communal gathering, uh, have fun that day. So uh, that that's kind of, you know, I have the, at the end of the show, as usual, I have my call to action. This is kind of going to replace it for a while. I'm going to encourage you to save the date and encourage you to come on out. So uh, I wanted to get that out of the way before we dive into some Packers news here. But uh, yeah, I think it'll be a lot of fun that day if uh, we get a lot of people to come on out, pack the place, and uh, just uh, a very festive atmosphere. So I um, think it'll be a lot of fun. But let's let's talk some Packers here. Packers news of the day. All right. So um, the news over the past few days here, the Packers did make one transaction here. Um, and the aftermath of the loss to the Indianapolis Colts, Green Bay released safety Jermaine Whitehead. And as we talked about with Nathan Yonke, signed fullback Joe Carriage. Um, Jermaine Whitehead was at least partially responsible for the opening kickoff for a touchdown. If you go back and watch film, uh, and I'm sure you saw plenty of replays if you watched the game, uh, Whitehead kind of got like really wide out of his lane. He practically runs into Kyler Fackrell uh, while they're trying to cover the kick and left a big gap for the Colts kick returner to return it, you know, for, for a touchdown to open the game and put the Packers in a big hole. Uh, so Whitehead, uh, the Packers kind of sending a message here uh, a little bit. I, you know, certainly not a huge message. I mean, on a 53-man roster, he he was probably, you know, in terms of job security, number 52 or number 53. Uh, but they are showing, hey, uh, you make a mistake. Uh, your, your job is not, you know, etched in stone. Uh, anybody could be uh, liable to be let go here. Uh, and, you know, it, it's probably not a huge deal from a defensive standpoint with so many other young safeties on the roster like Kentro Bryce and Marwin Evans. The Packers got a lot of young players at the safety position in that they didn't really need Jermaine Whitehead. Uh, but, you know, he made an error, and uh, the Packers basically signed him to help out on special teams. They weren't using him on defense, really, uh, and he kind of let him down this past Sunday. So 
They signed Joe Carriage. Um, you know, this, this uh, again, essentially a move for special teams. Carriage plays fullback, but I wouldn't expect him to see much time there with uh, Aaron Ripkowski handling things. Uh, you're going to see, you're going to see Joe Carriage cover kicks and you're going to see him block on, on the punt unit and things like that. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's the one move the Packers made. Uh, in other Packers news here, and kind of uh, to, to I guess, follow up what we talked about on Monday, apparently the report from Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network was inac- inaccurate. Um, he said the Packers would sign Lions, former Lions running back Joyke Bell. Uh, the Packers did bring him in for a workout, reportedly. Uh, but he apparently left town without a contract. This according to Bill Huber of Packer Report. Uh, so no, nothing doing there. Um, it, kind of interesting. You know, it was kind of two people came out reports at the same time. Rob Domofsky reported the Packers were just bringing in Bell for a workout and really didn't say anything more. Ian Rappaport took it a step further and said they would sign him, and, and they haven't. And uh, I don't know. I mean... Perhaps they still could. Anything could happen, uh, but it hasn't happened yet. And I would tend to think if it hasn't happened by now, uh, they're not going to do so. And like I said, you know, if they did, they would have to make a corresponding transaction. They'd have to release somebody else. So, but anyway, um, uh, just just a side note. You know, he he wasn't the only running back they looked at. Uh, the Packers brought in several players for a workout apparently on Tuesday. Uh, they looked at some other running backs, James Wilder Jr. and Brandon Wegger. Uh, they also worked out defensive back Brandon Dixon and defensive end Arthur Miley. Um, but again, uh, these are just names here and uh, nothing imminent, not even on the practice squad at this point. So um, for what it's worth, uh, just passing that along, uh, but not looking like the Packers making any moves there. Uh, to kind of uh, just, you know, if I were to uh, talk a little bit of a, a monologue here and just sharing some thoughts on the team, you know, the, the title of, of this today's show is At a Crossroads. And um, there were a few things here in the aftermath of the Colts game that we didn't really talk about on Monday's show as I kind of analyzed player performance uh, more so than anything. Uh, but there were a few comments from players and basically the leaders of the team on each side of the football on offense and on defense, starting kind of with the face of the franchise, Aaron Rodgers, uh, made comments about uh, the team's uncharacteristically low energy. And, and these would be direct quotes from Aaron Rodgers after the football game in his comments made to the media. Uh, he talked about a lack of juice. He talked about the energy not where it needed to be, and he called it unacceptable. Again, these all direct quotes from the mouth of Aaron Rodgers talking about the Packers' performance and, and you know, kind of specifically how that opening kickoff took the air out of the team, and they never really, you know, got really back into it. it it's as if they almost accepted defeat at that point. And then on the defensive side of the football, after the game, Mike Daniels, um, if you've read reports, he could be heard lambasting his teammates in the shower, not in front of microphones, 
but reporters were just around the corner and they could hear it and they kind they kind of just described you know these kind of shouts from the shower um from from defensive lineman Mike Daniels who you know has a vi- been a very outspoken player and the kind of guy who eats nails and the kind of guy who you know doesn't accept defeat easily um and and kind of you know a very vocal presence in the Packers locker room um you, you know it, it was interesting then the day after the game you know kind of as they let things settle a little bit Daniels settled down but it was interesting you know he said you know, with the team, with the game coming up here, the team has to play angry like someone pissed in their Cheerios. That that a direct quote from Mike Daniels and a very interesting one there. Um, even Mike McCarthy, right in the aftermath of the game, said the team wasn't sharp, although kind of curiously on Monday in his post-game press conference, he actually said the energy was, quote, pretty good, Um which is kind of the opposite of the sentiments, you know, the players like Aaron Rodgers and Mike Daniels expressed. I'm not sure exactly what Mike McCarthy was trying to accomplish there. Uh, but, you know, I said this team is kind of at a crossroads. And, and to, uh, to me, I, I remember a moment like this. And if, if you're uh, we're around far enough ago, and it's it's not even you know we're we're talking. I'm basically taking you back. I think it's six seven seasons, 2009. Um, um, I, they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was at the right at the midpoint of the season, the eighth game. Uh, you'll remember at the time, quarterback Josh Freeman was making his first career start for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And the Packers lost to Tampa Bay, and they were exactly four and four. Had a 500 record at that point, and the outlook after that game wasn't good. It's kind of like it is right now. It's like you know, if this is a 500 team, uh, you know that's that's not the direction the Packers want to be trending. But then from that point forward. Uh, the Packers won seven out of the next eight games to end the season to go into the playoffs with a lot of momentum. In fact, I think there was a point where they won five in a row. And, you know, the Packers would eventually uh, go on to lose in the playoffs. That was the year they lost to the Arizona Cardinals in the wild card round. But what it did was it really built a foundation for the Super Bowl run the following season uh, after they started the 2009 campaign four and four. Um, So, you you know, what I'm trying to say is they're at a crossroads similar to 2009 right now, but whether they turn it around like they did in 2009 remains to be seen. Uh, That's where this team is right now. And with the next three straight on the road, the Packers have an uphill battle in front of them. Uh, it's not insurmountable. They're not playing the elite teams of the NFL. Um, Tennessee Titans are much improved, but I don't think anybody's putting them in the New England Patriots category. These are winnable games for the Packers. Now they just have to go out and do it. Because, you know, what? if they do, if they could win these next three games, they'll be feeling really good about themselves having won three in a row on the road. And that's going to build a lot of momentum. I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not making any promises at this point on this team as an analyst. 
Uh, I'm just saying this reminds me of 2009 when they were at the crossroads and uh, their backs were against the wall. We're going to see what's going to happen. The day ahead. All right. So Green Bay Packers, uh, they'll release their first injury report of the week on Wednesday. And you know what? I, I could have mentioned this in the Packers news segment of the show, but it makes sense to do it here, too. Uh, today, we're looking at the status of linebacker Clay Matthews because he apparently suffered a setback with his hamstring injury the Friday before the Colts game. We did not learn of this until after the game when Mike McCarthy mentioned it in a press conference, although he didn't offer much in the way of details, but did acknowledge that Clay Matthews did indeed suffer a setback. From the way things sound, Clay Matthews was practicing, and it looked like he would play as late as Thursday last week until the setback occurred. Um, so, so, you know, I'm not sure what to make of that, whether it's it's setting him back weeks or it just prevented him from playing in this one game and he'll be back now. Uh, so we're watching Clay Matthews, and I think we're watching guys like uh, two guys in particular I think will be interesting this week, running back James Starks and tight end Jared Cook, in that these were guys who practiced last week as well and didn't play, which kind of shows you they must be close to returning if they were at least practicing. Hopefully this week is the time they finally getting back to, you know, uh, much closer to full strength. They're obviously not at full strength and never will be, you know, with guys like Sam Shields and Eddie Lacy on injured reserve. Uh, and, and they're gone, at least one of them, until way late in the season. But you know what? They've had so many guys missing these past few weeks. Now, if they start to get, you know, 90% of them back, the Packers going to be a lot better off. So, yeah. Keep an eye on what happens. Keep an eye on the injury report. Keep an eye on what their status is. Are they limited? Are they full go? That's going to play a big part this week as the Packers get ready to play the Tennessee Titans. Mike McCarthy hosts his regularly, you know, regular Wednesday press conference. Today it's at 11.30 a.m. Central Time. Streamed live at Packers.com, so you could go there, watch it, see what he has to offer. A lot of times he doesn't have a ton to offer before practice, but we'll see. Um, and, and then, as usual, Packers talk show uh, circuit on Wednesday includes, uh, I believe it's the Dayton Jones show this week on The Fan, 107.5 in Green Bay. Um and then also on the CBS affiliate on WFRV-TV, um, Green Bay Packer Nation on as well. So that's what's in front of you today. Go check it out, and we'll talk again this upcoming Friday. Uh, we'll see you later, folks. Thanks for joining us on the show today. My call to action, like I said, a new one here. Save the date, December 11th. Um, the Krogville Oasis. Um, I hope to see you there. I hope we got a lot of Railbird Central listeners and a lot of Packers fans out at the bar that day. Going to kind of take the place of my usual iTunes call to action for a while. Um, 
So I'll bombard you until I get you to actually come out and, and check things out out there. So hopefully we'll see you there, folks. And uh, have a good Wednesday. <laughs> it's an interesting Wednesday, to say the least, after what happened last night in in the uh, general election. It's a new era in American politics, to say the least. Uh, not getting any political talk here, uh, but glad we could talk some Packers. We'll see you, folks. Have a good one. Uh, I'm Brian Carvo. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, we'll see you later. I leave you today with a with a song called Song in My Head by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go Pack Go.